Hey guys, this is Joe Whitcomb uh, with another episode of Reboot Your Relationship. I hope you can make it through this episode because I have had a cough and a cold for almost a month, probably what everyone else has had, but going into 2020. And uh, so let's, uh, let's take a launch here. I'm going to be committing to doing one podcast every day for 220 days throughout the year so that we can give you resources, content, strategies, other ways, uh, just to give you a shared context and tools uh, for your, to reboot your relationship. So that's why we're here and that's what we're all about. This is what we focus on. I am a trauma-informed relationship psychotherapist. I developed the uh, trauma-informed relationship psychotherapy method, which is to work with trauma in relationships, PTSD. So if you have aversive childhood experiences where there's been abuse that's impacted you, as well as if you've been uh, like myself, military member who has served, um, I served 12 years, in the Phil, uh, for those in the Philippines and serving the first Gulf. <clears throat> so this is germane to me, and I know it means a lot to all of you. And I did get an, a text today from one of my clients and podcast listeners who um, I'm going to share on the next episode because we're going to launch into trying to demystify these, uh, the PTSD, it's PTSR, I want to call it, is a reordering. I, I'm going to shift that from a disorder to reordering because it's a reordering of the brain, the nervous system, and the impact that that has on every part of your life. And especially, uh, you know, as I always say, you know, we're going to heal the war in the world. We have to heal the war between the sexes. And to heal the war between the sexes, we have to heal the war between ourselves, right? It's that war within. So we're going to be spending a lot of time on that and probably going to devote a whole month to PTSD and working through all those challenges uh, and the different forms of post-traumatic stress reordering, whether it's military, first responders, uh, could be a car accident, you know, all these different things, childhood uh, versus childhood experiences, all of these have different impacts on us. And with trauma in relationships, as with anything that can take control precedence, and what I mean by control precedence is it takes over everything. And everybody is kind of moving around that particular person. So imagine... Let's say you have someone who broke a leg, right, in your family. Well, you're going to be spending the next six, week, six to eight weeks trying to help that friend of yours, you know, or family member of yours uh, be able to, you know, uh, walk again, right? So that takes control precedence. That means everything is going on around that. <clears throat> so it's also another way to think about this when we're talking about trauma and we're talking about all these things is um, it, it, because I always say this, it doesn't matter if you're drowning at one feet, seven feet or 21 feet, you're drowning, you're drowning. 
Okay. So, but it does matter at what level of water you begin to seek help and treatment to get into the hospital. And there is a distinction between what I say, like if you break your leg, it hurts. There's pain. It hurts a lot. And it's going to hurt and cause pain to go back in the hospital to reset that bone back into place. That's even more pain. But to make a distinction between hurt and harm, pain and suffering, okay, the hurt, the harm is, and the suffering is, you break your leg and you don't go to the hospital. You let it rot faster, it gets fixed a certain way, you start walking like with a gimp. <clears throat> That's harm. That's suffering. So there's hurt and harm, pain and suffering. And the thing about trauma and PTSD is that that is something where there's a violation of some human connection and the world becomes completely unsafe. And so we, <clears throat> so that takes control precedence in the sense that now we are scanning and looking for our safety, danger, danger, danger. And that begins to shut down everything and uh, shuts down certain parts <clears throat> and alerts others. So that's kind of like the gas in the brake. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in the upcoming <clears throat> sessions and the upcoming uh, podcasts that we're going to be going through today. But I'm going to make this a month long, every day, talk about trauma and trauma awareness, PTSD, as we know that 22 military veterans, first response, all these people are committing suicide every day. It's a very serious issue. And children uh, with uh, these aversive childhood experiences also have a higher rate of depression, anxiety, suicidality. So it's an important topic because it affects all of us. And, you know, it's out there. We think, well, it's out there. It's the Warriors. No, it's not out there. It's in your back door. It's in your home. It could be your partner. It could be any single person. <clears throat> so it does matter whether you're drowning at one feet, seven feet, or 21 feet, because the early intervention, and if you're getting in there, getting the help, <clears throat> getting your tribe, getting your connections together, working on this collectively with other people to face the underlying part of all that, which is shame, anxiety, and shame. PTSR is an anxiety issue. It's about the nervous system not being able to regulate, and we'll get into the details of that later, but also the shame that comes and for a lot of guys in the military and other things too, it's not, you put that also in there with the moral injury, <clears throat> which is another thing we'll talk about as well, the moral injury of going out and doing things that you never thought humanly possible, uh, which were some of these violations of human connection and the shame that can come from that. So um, we're going to begin to discuss uh, those uh, next uh, tomorrow. And we're also going to be going into the uh, relationship stuff, how that gets into trauma loops, trauma bonds, also how we get stuck in these uh, fused uh, double binds and this affect emotional contagion. And what does that mean? That's basically your stance, stance, stance. You get into this kind of fused trauma loop and 
Now you got, instead of one person drowning, now you have two people drowning, right? So it's like a lifeguard. And if a lifeguard's, I'm like that lifeguard trained, I can see into the water, I can see what's occurring. And you, I can see, you know, when a person's drowning, I can code and decode those behaviors, tendencies, and all those symptoms and be able to track all that <clears throat> as well as see where the shark is, the danger, and the impact that has with people around them when they're uh, feeling they're, uh, it's kind of like the, when that dragon has you dangling over the cliff and you're dangling and you're in terror and how you're grasping and pulling on everyone around you. Again, that takes control precedence. That takes on everything. And that becomes the focus of, let's say, a family dynamic or in a relationship or with children. Doesn't matter. You see that because it begins to be the thing that we are all afraid to confront and face. Um, it brings up our own shame. It brings up our own fear, our own, I'm not measuring up. Ooh, I can't get it right. All that stuff. So I will be bringing in some guests. I got Krista. She's a uh, Marine wife of a uh, Marine that served overseas and talking about her journey with me and the impact that these podcasts have had on her and the people in the military community and the veterans and um, first responders, because this is such important work to be doing for me. It is the heart of everything I do. It's been my lifelong work in my own recovery. And I got to tell you that recovery had been really inaccessible for me. It was like climbing a mountain with absolutely no oxygen. No oxygen, no commitment, no connections, no relationships. I was isolating, alienating. Um, and I, people misunderstood me. Um, I was pretty intense. I had a lot of, uh, uh, in, back in my 20s, some anger and things that I could not understand. Because when that dragon would come, I would make everyone responsible for that dragon and make them name and tame it and they couldn't see the invisible dragon or the war within. So like I said before, when I always say, you know, if we're going to heal the war in the world, we've got to heal the war between the sexes. And if we're going to heal the war between the sexes, we've got to heal the war within ourselves. So to do that, we have to begin to create a very safe, secure base. And that secure base, that safe place, is this secure connection. We're going to talk about secure functioning in adults today. And we're going to talk about how do we begin to start with that and begin to have these safe conversations so that these safe conversations and dialogues can actually turn into healing and openness and vulnerability, courage and the things that we all need. And these are the things that get us to move through some of the challenges that we have. And this is a journey. This is a journey. We're all neophytes and co-journeymen on this hero's journey. And 
as we go through the trials and tribulations, we need a guide and a mentor on the side. We need to have someone and the people in our life to be able to come alongside each other to face it, to understand the impact, the pain, the suffering of that. And we need to, when we get into those dark nights of the soul, the abyss, right? The abyss and the raging of the dying of the light. And that's probably what I'm going to be calling this next series for the month is raging against the dying of the light. Because we're all, the anger is an anger of hope. And sometimes it is a anger of despair. And if you guys remember that movie, Forrest Gump, where Lieutenant Dan is up in the crow's nest, right? He has his trauma. He he has his loss. He lost his legs. He had a death wish. He wanted to die. And he's up there having his moment with God, raging against the dying of the light to come to terms with what was going on for him. And you remember that scene where he was gone through drinking and and uh, abuse and anger and rage and just that part of him that was in such great grieving and despair, you know, the grieving of the loss of the ideal and his legs and his, uh, the idea that his, like he, his family were, you know, all, all the members of his family had died in the field and he wanted to die with that honor and he didn't. And so he was not only grieving the loss of his legs, he was grieving the loss of the honor that he wanted to bring with him as his legacy. And so this is the the part that I want to begin to unpack with everybody. Because as a veteran myself, having gone through years and years and years of confusion and not understanding what was happening to me. I just thought I was, you know, um, trying to keep myself and everybody safe around me, that control, you know, and the, what I call the four F's of control that come with trauma is the fear that comes with that, the anxiety, the scanning of looking around. So there's fear and the frustration of not being able to control anything. It's like this grip, your fear and you're, and you're frustrated and you're fatigued if you're holding that grip forever, you know, and your nervous system is going that fight, flight, freeze constantly day and night, the frustration, the fatigue, and ultimately the failure, the shame. And that shame again makes us believe that we can't change because if I let go, It's kind of like that velvet cage, the velvet trap that we put ourselves in thinking that's keeping us safe and secure, but it's actually a velvet cage. And when I get people out of that cage to look at it, they go, oh my gosh, they can be liberated from that cage. So, but today we have to launch into creating these secure functioning adult relationships, that safety net, you know, to the, and the safety net concept that I had created 
20 some years ago with um, the Relationship Society and the uh, rebuild and now the reformatting and morphing of that to rebuilding connections along with the reboot your relationship and the programs and in seminars and intensives that I do for couples that are going through this um, together because this is such an important task for all of us to do the task and relationships. So because the secure connection here, that's the foundation of all of our vibrant, intimate partnerships. And it is the experience of this feeling connected to each other. And for the Marines out there, you get it, right? A Marine never leaves another Marine. That bond, that connection, that brotherhood, that camaraderie. And for a lot of us, we come back, it's like the, the veterans that came back from Vietnam. They said, and when they came back with all their trauma and, and, and all their challenges, they said, I wasn't, I wasn't alone in Vietnam. I didn't have this trauma, even though they were in the darkest of being shot at. They said, I wasn't alone when I was in Vietnam. I was alone when I came home and we don't understand the impact of the war within that continues to rage in every military person and the rage between. So there's three parts here. There's within and the space between, which can sometimes feel threatening, but that is the connection. That's the love. That's the belonging. So, but having that connection is akin to some kind of a tuned flow state between two people. That space between is the couple's home base, that secure, safe space both of you can rely on and trust to know that you're there. The $96 million question, I always say, are you there for me? Can I count on you? Yeah, my back, do I matter? Am I important? Are you accessible, responsive, emotionally engaging? That kind of connectivity. And if you're a military guy and your wife is there for you, she is your home base and she has your back and you have her back no matter what. Because this is really important because this is from that this fertile connectivity and connection and it's, you know, and with that, anything is possible because then you can leapfrog up that mountain together and co-create anything. So when you have these two people and, and you don't have this kind of connection, this idea is a ground to return to and they don't make it the primary issue to focus on. You get distracted and you start to loop into this symptomology of the trauma itself, this vortex, this dark space and alone. So that's where we begin to begin attending to this ever shifting dynamic. And again, there's multiple dynamics going on simultaneously and co-occurring that not one of these things can define the conflict or where we begin. It is a systemic problem. 
It's relational, it's biological, it's in your mind, it's in your emotions, it's in your hormones, it's all these things going on. And we have to find a starting point, a beachhead to like the Marines going in and taking that beachhead, right? And you can't take it just by land. You have to take it by land, air, and sea. Air, land, and sea. The Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force. Okay, and the same thing has to do with when we're building this tribe and forming these communities and these safe conversations for us to dialogue about this, then we move beyond just the symptomology. We're actually dealing with the, what's happening by attending to, again, these ever-shifting dynamic relational currents within and between each other. Again, the, within and between. And that's a daily practice uh, for a committed couple or relationship or family. So to work on this connection, both couples, parties, and all of us need to take on as a devotional practice, right, their connection to ourselves. Because here's the thing, I'll struggle and you will struggle to connect to another person. I'll struggle to connect with you if I'm not connected to me. I'll struggle to connect to you if I'm not connected to me. And I say this all the time to men. I, you have to be a man with your men to be a man with your woman and vice versa. You got to work through and take the mask of the invulnerability, the mask of the masculine, the mask of all that off to be able to get to the core connection, which, which requires all of us, and that both that all people, both husband, wives, all people are committed to your own sovereignty in the relationship, the differentiation part, while again, simultaneously attending to that garden between them or getting in the foxhole together, whichever you, whatever that garden has got to be. And you have to get aligned and parallel to point and see that this, this cycle, the vicious cycle is the enemy and not each other. Cause you keep turning the guns on one another, turning on each other into these two stance, stance, stances. Right? So that's one thing. So the connection. And then the other thing that begins to occur also is a lot of times you'll get into these, what are called like a fused enmeshment, right? And that's kind of a, kind of a uh, codependency type thing. And this, the challenge of course there is that many couples confuse their core connection kind of with the feelings they experienced during the honeymoon stage or the forming stage of a relationship or the, the stage where we were uh, in that romantic love and the stuff that fueled that, right? That part is important. Absolutely. Um, where both people, you know, you're both emotionally fused in this temporary love fog. And then something happens. <laughs> you guys keep trying to move back to that fleeting feeling of fantasy and projection. The movie, if you go back to my other uh, thing on reality testing and projection and, and the movies that we play, 
in our head that we put on each other where we get into these mutual injuries. And then we believe the fairy tale and the movies because we want to have that. We want to feel constantly, you know, in this fuzzy fantasy land and believe in that stuff. And, you know, we want to return to all the, the fuzzies again, getting out of that stuff and then back into relationship connection. Cause that's what we wanted in the first few months. I call that the return to Eden, the return to paradise, right? Where it's paradise. Well, sometimes paradise is lost and you got to now create new ways of being and work through. Cause then you go into this disillusionment that we'll talk about in another series about these different stages of relationship that we go through because it's confusing. We think it's always going to be the same. We, we don't understand there's going to be a forming stage, you know, there's going to be a storming, you know, or a norming, performing, all these types of things that we have to go through, right? So both couples, you know, you get hooked in that kind of immature view of relationship and intimacy. And for me, intimacy isn't just about sex. It's about joining in the truth and with love. Truth and love. It's those two things leaning in together. You know, there's that song. All it takes, all we need is love. Love conquers love and all these things. Well, love is absolutely an important, essential emotion to have, but there are other ingredients that we have to also bring into that, and that's trust, power, freedom. Um, man, we could just go on and on and on. But if we're only developing, cultivating one without the other, let's say like respect or admiration, um, then we are missing out on some stuff. So go back to my other podcast about power struggles and uh, the love power, uh, the power love cycle that we can get into. But this is where we get trapped looking to our partner in these fused um, types of relationships for our own sense of okayness. So we start scanning and looking at our partner like some scared little kid trying to get them back into the relationship because if they're okay, I'm okay. If they're not okay, I'm not okay. So I'm doing everything to make them okay and trying to control that okayness. So at some point then you start, if you're in a, in a trauma loop or a relationship, um, you may be a wife or a partner who is now abandoning yourself to in service and duty of the relationship. So in trying to connect, you know, correct that, let's say dynamic here, you often get fo more focused or very focused on the symptoms rather than dealing with the real issue the real issues, right? The trauma, all these things. And maybe it's our own porous boundaries and the allowing of certain things in our life, the allowing of control or abuse. So what I help people through here is in these couples that are in these marriages is... <clears throat> Understanding this key distinction that moves a lot of couples from frustration to more satisfaction, especially if they are up to do the real work of the relationship and doing the trauma-informed work. Because if we're honest, most of us are scared to be 
ourselves with the people closest to us. We're scared. So in my experience, this is kind of the idea that we all, we all, when we all act like this, the chances are that we have <clears throat> kind of this inner caretaker in us that wants others to feel okay. So we start to become the caretaker for the wounded child, let's say, and we're not, instead of being playmates for each other's healthy child. And why is that? So that we can feel okay. It's our, it's part of our issue too, because this is commonly called a one up, one down relationship or codependency or emotional fusion. And you get into this uh, drama triangle, go back to one of my episodes called Are You in a Drama Triangle and learn about the drama triangle. Because in other words, our okayness is really dependent on the other person, right? And so that's the term codependency. Now, I want to make sure everyone understands a belief I have about codependency. Not everyone agrees with this. So you can disagree all day long. Because I believe there's either healthy codependency or unhealthy codependency. And what's the distinction? Well, healthy codependency is, or an interdependency, is this idea of two powerful people leapfrogging up the mountain together, supporting, coming from their own place of strength, sovereignty, um, their own um, sense of... Uh, you know, self, being self and, you know, self-empowered in that way where, you know, you are working with each other's strengths. The negative or unhealthy codependency is like this downward vortex of two drowning people pulling each other down. And so codependency, as with anything like emotions are is a great servant to the relationship but a terrible master of the relationship if you're two powerful people both adjusting co-creating accommodating meeting each other's needs you know feeding one another and being able to lean into all that then we have a good that's the healthy <clears throat> codependency so if a lot of you are saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm not codependent on anybody. I'm an independent person. Really? Okay. Well, if you're living on an island, let's see how that goes. <laughs> right? Because we all have somebody to that we need to lean in on. And I'll tell you, the people that are more uh, isolated, alone, and detached from reality connection are more depressed, anxious, suicidal. And I'll tell you, one of the studies we did with um, um, people that are put in isolation where there's no ability to have any contact and a deprivation of like light, sound, all these things go mad. And it's actually a form of abuse. It is abuse and violence against somebody to be alone because an alone person feels like a very bad person. 
And so a lot of us get into these spaces and we think that I can do this alone. I'm like Rambo, right guys? I'm sewing up my own arm. I don't need no hospital. I don't need anybody. Good for Rambo. As you guys know, that's not reality. Sounds cool. But that's the velvet cage. That's a velvet trap. So what do we do? So in my experience, codependency is one of the top three relationship issues all of us wrestle with, right? That sense of codependency. And we'll get into some other stuff like um, uh, comparisons and other things. But you can go back to my other uh, podcast because I kind of nail them all the time. So you'll go back and just go back over there. So, but we're wrestling with that because, you know, if you ever had heard a parent say, and I don't think my mom ever said, my parents ever said this, um, I just want you to be happy. I'm happy if you're happy. And you might think to yourself, yeah, that's empathy and that it's healthy. Okay. I disagree. I would argue that it's not only is not healthy in adult-adult relationships, it keeps me, you, all of us stuck in this loop where neither person gets the freedom to fully feel a whole range of feelings from sadness, fear, anger, grief, and even joy. I know a lot of people around me, you know, they just want me happy all the time. So we learned that in our family of origin where we had to learn to exchange our true authentic self in exchange and trade that in for the connection relationship. Cause that was food. It's oxygen. We needed that to survive in that family of origin. So if mommy's happy, if mommy's happy, I can be happy. If mommy's not happy, I can't, if dad's not, you know, and this trauma begins to come in to play. Right. So it's kind of, it goes back to the trauma part. Because let's say that you're in a woods, right, or a forest, and there's a bear, and that bear comes out out at you, and your nervous system goes into this, your brain hijacks the prefrontal cortex, and the amygdala, I'm sorry, hijacks the emotional limbic system, hijacks the prefrontal cortex, your body goes into that fight, flight, freeze, fight the bear, or I flee, run away from the bear, try to find that sense of safety, or I play dead, freeze. Okay? Well, guess what? If you're in a woods and you're in a forest and there's a bear, that's adaptive. That's the right thing to do. That's exactly the same right thing to do. However, if you're at, in a house and the bear lives in the house and you can't escape, you can't flee. You can't run. You can't fight, flight, freeze. You kind of numb out those negative emotions, walking on eggshells, keeping dad, keeping the bear happy, right? And then you go to school, you know, and you're trying to focus and you have ADD and you're trying to focus on the job. You're trying to do whatever you have to do. And then now you're like saying you have ADD, you know, you're just sitting there in that terror, you know, Wondering, the teacher says, hey, pay attention, finish the test. And where's your heart racing? And it's going, danger, 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 where's the bear? Come home, you see the face on somebody. Now you have this 
double bind in this affect emotional contagion. You see that negative look on the face, right? Kind of like that brown, you go through the woods, you see that brown squiggly thing in the grass, okay? And you go pick it up, it's a stick, great. Go pick it up another time, it's a snake, and now you code, decode, interpret, project all brown squiggly things and those things on your face that you see as something dangerous. Danger, danger, danger. It's coming, it's scary. Someone's home, look at that face. I'll tell you a story, it's really funny. My dad used to walk around with that face. And I, anytime I would see that on anybody in the military, and you see it all the time. I had, my dad had that glued on his face. Just, I had to learn to do this when I came home with my kids to raise my, I had to raise my eyebrows and put on a smile because my kids were running out away from me like cats, you know, just like scatter. And they wouldn't come out. I'm like, what's wrong with them? There's nothing wrong with them. What's wrong with me? What was I doing? I was showing this face. So I had this boss one. And so this is how this trauma and this trauma informed stuff and understanding the facial stuff and those cues <clears throat> and then the nervous system. So my boss came in, this was like 20 years ago, walked in and she had that look, my dad look on her face and scowling and man, I got triggered. I'm going danger, danger, danger. What I do wrong? What I do wrong? What's something wrong with me? She's going to fire me. And I'm like the executive director for this, you know, whole thing. And, and I'm already, you know, projecting, I got this, you know, something's happened and now I've got this story and I'm interpreting her face and translating her face and adding and subtracting meaning to that face. And then looking for all the evidence of how she's going to fire me and how I messed up. Danger, danger. And then I'm in this vicious cycle. And what am I doing? I do what I did as a kid. I ran in my room. I was hiding in the back of the office and I didn't come out to talk to her for till after lunch because I thought for sure she had something that she wanted me. I could go scanning my brain. Okay. Going back to my own ACEs, my own aversive childhood experiences and abuse trauma. And I was like, uh Oh, something's happening. It's not good enough. It was like, here comes the, you know, here comes the heavy. And finally I got the nerve to go up and talk to her and I was like, hey, Karen, what's going on? Why are you mad at me? What did I do wrong? Right? Projection, storytelling, you know, all this stuff, you know, where's this, this saying a snake in her face. And she says to me, what are you talking about, Joe? I said, well, you came in with this angry look at, on your face. Again, remember, trauma takes control precedence and it looks at everything through this lens of trauma, danger, something's wrong. Something's bad. Okay. There's a bear in here. There's a lion in the street. Ooh, there's a tiger and there's no tiger. So the ability to understand and perceive what's real and what's not real and reality testing perspective. So she said to me, anyway, I digress. She said, John, no, no, you're doing great here. Here's a bonus. You know, no, but something she goes, no, I said, well, what happened this morning? Okay. So see, instead of starting with, Hey, What's going on? How are you? I'm starting from a defense and I'm already going into the attack. Like I'm protecting myself instead of saying, checking in with her, doing the reality testing perspective checking, which is something we're going to be talking about. I start at with, from this kind of harsh, angry stance of defense saying, what's wrong with you rather than what's going on. Big difference, right? Big difference. 
She goes, nothing. I just got a, I got a ticket on the way to work. And I was kind of miffed and pissed about that. Why? <laughs> wow, I could have saved a whole day of having my nervous system, my adrenal fatigue, cortisol, and adrenaline wearing me out, burning me out. That fight, flight stuff, the gas and the brake going on the entire time. If I would have just took the time to slow down, stop, suspend judgment, think, observe, process, lean in, go talk to her, check in. But I already had it in my head. I was future tripping. And this is what we do. It's what we do. So this is a tricky one, you know, and it's sticky for me personally. So since I grew up with, um, you know, two things, my a mom who made her okayness dependent on, you know, mine. So this, of course, was my default relational setting with that side. And then I had the other side over here, uh, the hailstorm and this raging turtle over here who never came out except for whatever. So, so let's say if my, let's say if my woman's freaking out, right? My default is to try and make it better for her. I try to make it all better. And because, so what if your woman's freaking out? Okay. Because in that moment you get triggered in that moment when you get trauma or something happens and she's not okay. Cause that's the problem with men. We try to make if our woman, cause most of it isn't that, you know, cause usually we're okay. It's us trying to make sure our woman and our wife is okay, but we get triggered and our fear isn't that she's it's because it's not her reaction that we're afraid of partly. It's our reaction to her reaction. Let me say that again. We're not afraid when we get triggered in our trauma and all this stuff that goes on. It's not, we're not afraid of her reaction, right? Cause you're just scanning your face snake. It's, our reaction to her reaction. And so our fear, our frustration, how we're going to feel in that moment is our default, right? So no, this never, <laughs> so I try to make it better and I try to put her down, but it's really not about her anxiety. It's my anxiety I'm trying to regulate. If she's not okay, it's like my kid. If she's kid's upset, I'm trying to make, so I don't feel upset. Because this never helps, of course, because what she's wanting is, you know, validation and space to feel whatever she is going through to hold that space. She's this deep, beautiful ocean, a mystery, high tides, low tides, rip tides, deep currents. You're the earth, you're the beach you're holding and she can crash on you. You can take that in. And, but we can't ever get there. Right. Cause you're the, you're the river bank. She's the river that flows through you. Can't get to that space either because we're running this codependency is now a higher priority for you and to put your attention on your wife's, woman's, partner's emotional landscape, the ocean. So you don't have to face your own trauma, your own dragon, your own feelings. This is where we disavow our own emotion and numb out our own negative emotions and then we can't experience the positive emotions on the other side of all that. So if I keep the attention and I'm trying to fix her upset, right? 
and I get to avoid my discomfort. And this is where a lot of guys with trauma, PTSD, we, we get triggered. We don't want to fail. We feel uh, powerless, helpless in that moment, disempowered. We go to that shame down deep into that shame hole, right? But the atonement here is the undoing of all that fear and shame and a return to love the goddess, right? So you're there with her, standing there with her, alongside of her, okay? But you're avoiding, we start avoiding that discomfort and the fear. So we go down to the shame and then we pop up because we can't feel that shame to our grandiosity. I got to be right. I got to be the man. I got to be this. I got to be that, you know, all that stuff. Guys, men, I'm going to speak to the men, women. Here's the deal. You know, men, you have a sword, right? And you've been, if you're a military guy, you know what I'm talking about. That sword, you know, penetrate the world. And also, you have that sword between your legs to penetrate your woman. And she wants to, you know, but she's not going to go there if she's not feeling safe and having the secure base and trusting that you have her back. Because then she can regulate her nervous system and you're not getting in this fear dance. And you're like wondering, why is she not wanting to make love to me? Because, you know, I'm so grandiose. <laughs> No, that's not how this works. It's not working. Ask your wife, ask your husband. By trying to fix her, what you do is you get relief in your own emotional world trying to fix her. <clears throat> Making you right her wrong. One up, one down. Teacher, student, parent, child, sinner, saint. All that, one up. You know, those 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 dynamics, right? The rescuer victim, the perpetrator victim, go back to my other podcasts on the drama triangle when you're below the line and you're not present to what's happening and to get above the line to where now you are operating out of this secure functioning adult instead of all this mutual injury, a dance, right? Because from my experience, this is by far the most common and emotionally <clears throat> um, uh, challenging way. To, I hate to use the word immature way of relating with others, but it is. It's like you're a little, you're either a little, and you have that mother, child, parent, you know, parent, child dynamic saying, you know, I just want to be loved. I want to be pleased, you know, take care of me, you know, and then, and then what happens, right? And it's where we become completely dependent on others for my okayness. Yuck, that's terrible. And they become the parameter for how you feel, how I feel. So think of it like your emotions are like the stock market, right? That's the barometer, right? So if you're come home and let's say the stock market is up uh, 5,000 points for the day. Wow, we're happy, right? Woo, right? That's a barometer for, and kind of saying, I'm happy, okay? Stock market's up, I'm happy. 
stock market crashes down 3,000. Even though you're up 2,000, it went down. And so now I'm sad. I'm pissed. I'm set. I'm angry. You still have 2,000 that you gained from the day before, but for some reason, you're disqualifying the positive and you're still looking for all this black and white, all or nothing stuff because that's where the wound happens, right? You get wounded and adapted. And then you're looking at, you know, and then it goes up, you're happy again. It's like dad, mom, when they come home, okay, dad's happy, I'm happy. Stock market's up, you got 10,000 points, yay, we're happy. Drops 5,000, sad, angry. So you learn this little dance, black and white, and you become that adaptive child in the woods, became very in the home. Black and white, all or nothing, rigid, tight, inflexible, unyielding, demanding, controlling, relentless, abandoning, <clears throat> leaving the relationship, you know, stonewalling, being passive aggressive, turning to other people, turning to false solutions for a real need for the connection, right? So that's what we do. Getting tight in the body, tight in the bud, and nothing gets in. Nothing gets in. There's no connection. So we turn to false solutions for a real connection. I see this all the time. And military guys, you know, and girls, guys and girls, anywhere, but very high in the military and veteran and, you know, that community because of the infidelity and adultery and the cheating and all those things that are false solutions because we can't get real, take the mask of the masculine off and the, take the, get vulnerable. I mean, guys in the military want you to know vulnerability is a military term. All right. So back in the day with the Knights, they would have to, when they walk into a pub or wherever there was like a DMZ, they would have to take off their breastplate and be exposed and their heart would be exposed. And now they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. And it takes vulnerability and courage to face and because intimacy, joining in love and truth is confronting. I see you, right? Avatar, I see you, I see you, I see you. Don't see me, I'm hiding. I got my camouflage on, I'm hiding. I'm a stealth, can't see me. You think you can't, but I'm not there. Or the other thing is, you know, if you're military and you're going through a, a canyon, you're looking at, you know, getting caught in the canyon, trapped, right? Or, or you can't flee, escape, powerless, helpless, no freedom. Or you're looking up and, you know, that's a vulnerable spot because someone could be shooting down at you or get barricaded in and trapped. You're not at war. Drop the story. This is your woman. This is your family. You're all in this tribe together. We're all in this together to heal. So to move it from that wounded trauma loop here, where all that hypervigilance and stuff, and we'll go through all the symptoms and stuff later. You can go back to another one where we talk about trauma and relationships, another past podcast. But here's the thing. You want to get into... If you're a warrior, right? So being nuanced, okay, so we're going to get into this other part, the functional adult man, woman, without all those projections and stories, who is nuanced. Now, what do I mean by nuanced and being flexible? 
right? So now when the bear or the tiger comes in the room, right? Now you're fierce, right? Now you're fierce because that's when you're supposed to be fierce, right? That's when you're supposed to take charge. And that's when you're, when you're at war, you know, or whatever you're doing, or there's danger at the door and someone's threatening to come through. That's when you're fierce. Not when your wife is serving you lunch or dinner. That's when you're with your woman, you're tender and compassionate and loving and attending and attuning. And if it's your child and they are playing with toys, you're joining with them and getting down and playing with them because that's what dads do. And a lot of us didn't have dads that played with us. So we didn't get that modeling. We learn what we live and we live what we learn. But you're here with Joe. Finding Joe here is a way to work through all that stuff so you can begin get more nuanced, flexible, relaxed, to bring it on down. Relaxing the body, yielding, humble, <clears throat> surrendered. Yeah, those are things most guys don't like to hear. But if your relationship is going to not just exist or survive, but to thrive, you got to get there. And there's a lot that we have to do to work on it in a lot of different ways. So you can call Joe, Finding Joe here, Reboot Your Relationship, and I want to invite you to, we're going to start doing these um, uh, every day, talking about trauma, how to create safe conversations. I'm going to be working with Chris. Uh, she is a um, military wife, and she's been through these programs, sharing her experiences as well, because it's important that you get other perspectives on this. And I'm going to ask anybody who wants to share or be on the show, the podcast, to talk about your experience, your relationships, or just, just want to talk. Just give me a call, 310-560-0726. Again, it's Joe Whitcomb, 310-560-0726. If you want to join in or be a part of the podcast or a part of the tribe, again, you can go to, the, uh, to my Facebook page at Reboot Your Relationship. Um, and or just go to Joe Whitcomb and you can friend me or follow me there. That's kind of my personal page, but it's my work. It's kind of my, yeah, it's just my family and my friends and everybody that can follow me there. So, but find me if you're looking to do individual coaching. If you're out of the state of California, I do co coaching. I also do couple marriage therapy. I'm licensed. I also do seminars, podcast uh, seminars, webinars and some intensives that are coming up this spring. And they are one-on-one. -on -one. I take a couple. I put you in a hotel. I put you in a yacht, wherever you want to go. And we spend three, two, three days together working on rebooting a relationship, going through all these core principles. And, through, um, and also, uh, if you want to do group stuff as well, we do um, group intensives from anywhere from 12 to 30 couples and um, also work with, you know, if you're dating or want to get married, we do save your marriage before it starts. So there's a lot of entry points, <laughs> a lot of ways to take the island here with me. And if you had experienced trauma, if you have aversive childhood experiences, you're in relationship, you're finding that some of these things are making sense to you and you want to break through and create these safe, secure, functioning relationships create that safe haven, understand yourself better, um, 
and uh, just have fun with Joe, you know, finding Joe, just having these conversations just like this. Okay. It's just having this conversation. What you see is what you get. So anyways, I want to thank everyone for showing up tonight and being a part of this podcast. And again, you can reach me and Joe Whitcomb at 310-560-0726. All right. Thank you guys. And make this your best day ever.